Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and grab yourself a copy of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, Body Melt, Wonder Woman, Ice Cream Man, Christmas Evil, Dolomite, or my favorite, the Wisconsin Blood Trilogy of Blood Beat, Blood Hook, and the upcoming Blood Harvest. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am your fearless host, Michael Byers, and today it's going to be a bonus episode where I'm going to review a couple titles. It's been a little bit since I've done one, not from lack of wanting to do one, it's more so I've been putting it off. And for no particular reason, it's not that I haven't been watching stuff, it's not that I've been wanting to not release content, because that's not the case either. It's, well, my podcast studio is in the upper level of my house, and the air conditioning in this area kind of sucks. So, if I have to record, I need to be up there. Or I guess I don't have to be. It's just what seems to work better because it's hooked up to my editing computer. Uh, It's got where all it's where all my mics are at. It's just easier. But it's been so stupidly hot. It's a good five to ten degrees warmer upstairs. So I've just been putting it off. So today the sun's going down. It's as cool as it's probably going to get up here. Um, so here I am. So this should show how much I love doing these episodes. The fact that I am intentionally hotboxing myself to do it, but the show must go on. Um, I'm trying to think if anything new has come up. Um, we're, I'm still working on launching the Patreon. I haven't wanted to do it until uh, it looks professional. So getting all my logos together, making sure I've got content for you guys. So it's coming. I just haven't gotten to it yet. 
Um, but it will be up soon. Um, yeah, I guess let me get straight to the titles. Today I'm going to be reviewing some Vinegar Syndrome titles. Like our good old friends over Vinegar Syndrome. We love them. You love them. Everyone loves them. Uh, the, as you guys know, they have got the market cornered on weird cult and exploitation cinema, horror cinema, all that good shit. But what they also do really well is vintage pornography. Now, I must stress. I guess stress is the wrong word. Uh, porn's not really my genre of, 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 of film, where it's not that I necessarily don't like it. It's just not my, my go-to. I appreciate the history of it. There's a lot of craft that goes into it. Honestly, half the time, I want more of the story. Uh, and, you know, the story in the movie is like maybe a half hour long and then a bunch of, of sex scenes. And um, it, it's not my favorite stuff to review. That being said, I at least have to give Vinegar Syndrome credit because when they do send me porn, they send me some of the most weird and interesting pornography titles that I could ever expect. So we are going to start first with a movie by the name of Mascara. The back of the box says, Harriet, played by Lisa de Liu. I might be pronouncing that wrong. L-E-E-U-W. Liu. Harriet, played by Lisa de Liu from the movies Dixie Ray and Hollywood Star, lives a repressed existence, working as a secretary in a Manhattan office and discovering that her boss is secretly seeing a prostitute named Lucy, played by Lee Carroll from The Seductress. Harriet works up the courage to approach her to see if she can help her overcome her inhibitions as the two women from very different walks of life become closer and closer friends, eventually moving in together, Lucy begins to feel that she's losing her identity to Harriet's benefit. A complex psychological drama written and directed by Henri Pichard, uh, who directed Babylon Pink, Mascara features supporting performances from Lisa Centrice, Tiffany Clark, the one and only Ron Jeremy, Bobby Astor, and my boy, Robert Kerman, a.k.a. Arbola. Produced, photographed, and uncredited co-directed by Roberta Findlay and scored by Walter Sear, Mascara is an unforgettable exploration into the sexual psyche and comes to Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome, newly restored in 2K from its original negative and featuring new interviews with Findlay as well as, co- as, well as, sorry, as, well as co-star Lee Carroll, both moderated by historian Casey Scott. So... Mascara. This was actually, out of the titles that I was sent, this was the one I was most excited for. I felt like the the plot had the most going for it. And I'm not going to lie, I was really intrigued by the inclusion of Robert Kerman, who actually is in both this and the next one I'm going to be reviewing. uh, Because I had unintentionally had a, a Robert Kerman triple feature. Because when I had gotten these titles... We had already had the Cannibal Holocaust episode on the books. So I was like, hey, this guy, Robert Kerman, he's in Cannibal Holocaust. I didn't know he did porn as well. And so, like, unintentionally, it was a Robert Kerman triple feature, which is kind of funny. You see three different walks of life. And I have to say, I've seen a lot of Robert Kerman's penis. Like, I don't know. I guess there's really no point in that. I just find it an amusing anecdote. So the movie 
is, like I said, probably the most interesting of the two, where it's got the most amount of story. Uh, what intrigued me about this was uh, the inclusion of the uncredited Roberta Findlay as director. But then she also shot it and produced it. And so there's a lot going on with Roberta Findlay. And I was like, oh, a female directing a 70s porn. That seems kind of interesting. And I did a little bit of research. And there's a lot of people out there who consider Roberta Findlay one of the the most underappreciated cinematographers in porn because she added a humanity and realism to the subject where with a lot of porn it could be very over the top high key lighting sometimes really goofy almost like a comedy because I feel like a lot of porn tries that and this one really tried to tell a a story Uh, once again I feel like the story is not as good as it could have been had there been less scenes of people fucking but I digress. Uh, Lisa DeLu, who plays the the character of Harriet, as they said in the back of the box, is a secretary. She's she's lived her life, a relatively closed up life, and then when she discovers her boss having sex with a prostitute in his office, which is really funny to me, uh, she hits up the prostitute and be like, "Hey, I wanna I wanna talk with you." And the prostitute's very like standoffish and be like, "Hey, you don't want none of my life. What I do is not necessarily." classy it's illegal and so on and so forth and harriet being kind of a hard ass about all of this is like you know i don't care let me let's talk so uh lucy invites harriet over to her house and harriet opens up about the fact that she's not had as she's had sex but she hasn't had the crazy sexual encounters she wants to and there's actually a scene near the beginning of the film where Harriet is having sex with uh, some guy that her friend hooks her up with. And after the fact, she seems very bored and unfulfilled. So she wants to have crazy sex. And Lucy's like, well, fuck, you know, sure, I can help you out with that. And ha- Lucy starts hooking Harriet up with some of her with some of her clients. You know, so Lucy's like, well, I have to do less work and I can, you know, still get paid. Fuck yeah. So... Um, you know, so Harriet gets the sex, Lucy gets the money, and Harriet starts having all these crazy encounters, and then her and Lucy start becoming friends. And where I think the movie really struggles, or where I wanted to see it go, so Lucy is a woman who is very open and honest with her sex life. She doesn't, none of that's, um, sorry, none of it really bothers her. Harriet's still a little closed up, even despite the fact she's had all these crazy sex scenes with people. So, um, later on in the film, you know, they start double teaming together and doing threesomes and all this other crazy stuff. They have a conversation. So, it's late at night. Um, Lisa needs a place to stay for the night, so she spends the night at Harriet's, and... They they spent they sleep in bed together and Harriet's very like whoa I'm open to all these crazy sexual things but I don't know if I could ever be with a woman and Lisa's mentioned sorry Lucy Lucy's mentioned the fact that I've done this before you know it's it's part of it and Harriet's like I don't think I'm cool with that and they have this interesting conversation amongst each other about love and sex and a potential. Um, same-sex relationship and Harriet's very standoffish about it and is not down with it and then Lucy makes a move and then it gets awkward they stop and then they go to bed and I was like oh 
that's interesting. Maybe Harriet's hasn't been fulfilled because she doesn't realize that it's that she's not as interested in men as she thought. Maybe uh, having sex with a woman will be what excites her again. Hey, can I sleep over? Lucy, I don't think I'm ready for that. I'm sleeping with another woman. I don't want to fuck you. I just want to sleep over for crying out loud. Well, sure, you can sleep over. Who do you think I am, some dyke rapist pervert? Of course not, but you do sleep with other women. I have sex with everybody. That's what I do for a living. Which side do I sleep on? On the door. You get it on with those two guys because it's an adventure. Big fucking deal. Try it sometime when you don't expect it. Try it when you think you're turning a quick trick on a middle-class commuter. And he's got a friend as a little surprise. And you're so fucking scared you can't even keep saliva in your mouth. And unfortunately, that's not where the movie goes. Um, it kind of then picks up speed, and the final scene... Our final sex scene, so the climax, <laughs> pun intended, is Harriet having this BDSM relationship with a mistress and her husband, and it's really intense. And after that scene, she's very disillusioned, and she gets on the train, and she goes to uh, take a tr- um, takes a tr- train to leave. Sorry, I guess I'm not explaining this plot very well because uh, she finds out that Lucy had actually skipped town and went to go stay with some other people in another state. And you get the feeling that Harriet's chasing after Lucy. But how the final scene works out is Harriet's on a train leaving and Lucy gets out out of a cab and chases down her train and is calling for her. And Harriet has a smile on her face when she sees her and it's a freeze frame. It's very confusing because theoretically, if Lucy's the one who's left or slash or leaving, you'd think it'd be Harriet chasing Lucy and almost admitting that, yes, I want something between us. I want to give this a try. But that's not how it plays out. Um, there's a, quite a few scenes of Harriet kind of... Uh, for lack of a better term, internally thinking and trying to figure out her life. Like there's a a scene of her in in a limo right after one of her encounters and she's just staring off in the distance and longing. And there's these really interesting introspective scenes. I just feel like whatever message they were trying to add in this film, I know a message in a porn, woo, that's kind of a weird territory. But I feel like, um, Roberta Findlay had something she wanted to say, and I just I feel like with a couple of revisions, it could have gotten there. It could have been a very interesting porno that made you think, as well as come. <laughs> um, I do have to say the cinematography was really interesting. It felt very much like a low-budget 70s drama shot on the mean streets of New York, which I really appreciated. The score is surprisingly science fiction-y and weird.
And that all adds to the strange appeal of this film. I don't know how often I'm going to go back to Mascara. It's just not really my genre. But out of some of the X-rated films that Vinegar Syndrome has sent me, this one has definitely seemed the most interesting. Um, So if you're a fan of classic vintage porn, this might appeal to you. And I know... Um, some people are more into softcore porn. Some people are more into hardcore porn. This is a hardcore pornography. Lots of intense close-ups of, to quote Supervad, P going into V. Uh, close-ups of cum shots. Like It's crazy. I found this out when I did my review of Her Name is Lisa. I was actually surprised by how crazy the 70s porn was. Because when I was a kid, and like I... There was the Playboy channel. That was my first uh, view into porn with crazy, weird music. And everything was shot kind of like a 90s drama. You didn't actually see anything but tits. And I just figured, oh, that's just what old porn is like. No, this porn is really filthy. Um, really filthy. So, uh, I and the, the clarity on... This is a fantastic looking Blu-ray. And I will say, the clarity on this... If, I'm not saying anyone does, if someone would have had an STD, you could have seen it. It's insane. So the special features on the disc include a newly scanned and restored in 2K from its 35mm original camera negative. Uh, This is what really intrigues me about this disc. And I didn't know I wanted a commentary track on a porn, but there's a commentary track with producer, cinematographer, and co-director Roberta Fidley. My one is, uh, both Walker and myself, Uh was so naive. We we didn't belong in in this business Mm -hmm. at all. And as far as drugs were concerned... I know about aspirin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no no idea, yeah. no no concept no. why we went to a, a, a uh, we hired the Sean Grant mm-hmm. for a, a photo shoot in California, mm-hmm. and uh, she was eight hours late. Wow, <coughs> a full day, it's a yeah. full work day. Yeah, oh my God. and uh, and she kept going into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, why does she keep going into the bathroom for? Yeah. She's sick, I know. and we didn't know. We yeah. had no no clue. Wow, nothing. Or Holmes, John yeah. Holmes. Walter said, I think he's a nice boy. He drinks milk all day. Hmm. <laughs> but that's interesting because you know there isn't any drug use in your films, really. Because it's huh? just not something that you no, are we're familiar not familiar with, with right? A- ever at all, right? And, and there's I, nothing particularly kinky in your films either. Definitely don't like Ron, where he throws I told you just it, whatever he wants. Very naive. Yeah. And uh, in New York at that time, in the '80s, anyway, Ron, everybody was uh, smelling this stuff. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I've never, I've never seen it. Well, I yeah. think I saw it because Ron showed it to me. Oh God. But um, <laughs> I've had marijuana once. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I thought I was having a brain hemorrhage, so that was... Oh, God. So that was a bad reaction, then. I might even, I might have to rewatch this film a second time just so I can listen to a porno commentary track. Then uh, there's also a feature-length audio interview of car- with actress Lee Carroll, script gallery, which was fascinating. I have never read a script for porn. It makes sense there'd be a script. Um, I just never thought about it. And I have to say, this film was written with a really sensitive touch. 
where even when they're describing the sex scenes, it very much felt like while they're going to detail, and it's crazy how much detail they go into, where every, I just figured porn porn stars were just making it up as they went. No, every, every position change to come shot is all, sorry, meticulously planned. So... That was interesting, and the script is actually pretty well written. Like, uh, there's a se- there's a sense of touch to the script. Um, original theatrical trailer, which is filthy. Porn trailers are funny. It's just it's essentially what you'd find on Pornhub now. It's just um, close up, close up, close up, close up, close up, close up, close up. So yeah, reversible cover artwork and English subtitles, which I don't know why that amuses me. Uh, the film was from 1983. It's 83 minutes in color, 1851 widescreen, DTS HD mono soundtrack. So that's Mascara. The next title, another porn, is from director Roger Watkins, who directed Her Name is Lisa, which I have also reviewed on this show, which I was not a huge fan of. Uh, and it's not. It's, I guess, the, the, my, going back to her name was Lisa, the reason I wasn't a fan was not because it wasn't a well-made porno, it's just the, the story that was described on the back was better than the movie. But his film, which, while I preferred Mascara, I think the Pink Ladies might be the crowd pleaser. So the next film is called The Pink Lady. Sorry, I didn't really... I did a terrible job with that. The second hardcore directorial effort from exploitation filmmaker Roger Watkins, The Pink Ladies, follows the lives and fantasies of four Long Island housewives and their husbands and their lovers. As fantasy and reality collide, The Pink Ladies are whisked into an ever stranger sensual dream world where secret desires and secret lovers intermix, leading to surprise revelations for all. Mixing light comedy with touches of low-key surrealism, director Roger Watkins weaves a sensual tableau that simultaneously satirizes suburban sexual mores while exploring the hidden pleasures that even the most seemingly chaste housewives and businessmen can't help but enjoy. With an all-star cast of Samantha Fox from Her Name is Lisa, Robin Bird from The Robin Bird Show, Christine DeShoffer from Fantasy Comes Again, Candy Barber from Ultra Flesh, and my boy Robert Kerman from Cannibal Holocaust. That's actually on the back of the box, which is stupidly funny. And Vanessa Del Rio from The Dancers. Vinegar Syndrome brings this underseen X-rated rarity to Blu-ray, newly restored in 2K from its original camera negative and fully uncut. So I didn't like the Pink Ladies as much as I did Mascara, from a story standpoint. But I will say the first... 10 maybe 15 minutes of this movie is pure fucking gold it's hysterical it's goofy it opens up with these these housewives who i guess would you'd refer you'd refer to as the pink ladies playing racquetball and it's just these crazy intercut sequence of them all playing racquetball some are good some are bad sorry I'm, uh, my mistake they're actually playing tennis they're playing tennis, and it's got this really groovy music playing, and it's it's doing this very fast-paced cutting, and it makes it really funny and amusing. And this, 
I guess, uh, tennis coach is watching them, fantasizing about them, and just the way they shoot him, and then it cuts to his fantasy, and they're all naked still playing tennis, and it zooms in on him standing there like a fucking Greek god it's it's got uh the set reminds me a lot of like a movie like heathers it's just off the wall and funny um and if they and i will say this film gets a lot of credit for its creativity because the issue with a lot of porn is they some of them try too hard to add story and the or too much story and the issue with that is you can never effectively tell that story because you have these sex scenes you have to throw in. So, what this movie does is it uses the conceit that everyone's got their sexual fantasy. And instead of really trying to tell a story, it goes to every character and plays out their sexual fantasy. So it can get as, it can get super weird and strange and that makes it weirdly appealing. So like you get the you get the tennis coach's sexual uh, desire, and that's to have that have all these women going crazy on him. You get, um, and then you also get all their husbands' sexual desires. Um, one of the women has this. She's um, her husband's falling asleep, and she's up late watching a movie, and it's about a, a festival or a fair, and then her sexual fantasy is involves like these guys dressed up in circus makeup, and Ron Jeremy's in the scene too, just blowing himself, which is hysterical. Another woman has a fantasy while working out that all the exercise machines turn into men, so the, the guys are actually painted the color of their exercise machines, and it's very very weird seeing people painted weird colors and their private parts are also painted so there's a guy who's painted completely blue having sex with a girl who's painted green all the colors mix and it's kind of gross and sweaty and strange uh robert kerman looks very much like he did in cannibal holocaust where he's lost a little bit of weight he's got his amazing uh porno mustache and he's like the poor man's richard dreyfus and his fantasy is like a classroom setting um and then one one guy's fantasy is like to be dominated it's they all have these crazy fantasies oh and the guy whose fantasy is about being dominated was made even more weird and interesting because it was scored by iggy pop's sister midnight when the music started i was like hey i know this song and then I was like, oh, I think this is this is Sister Midnight. I was like, oh, there's, it's probably an instrumental version or something. No, Iggy Pop's vocals came in, and it was the full-on version of Sister Midnight. And I was like, how the fuck did this porn and then Vinegar Syndrome get the rights to Sister Midnight? It was insane. Um, I'm getting the most excited about this film. Like I said, I liked Mascara better at from a story standpoint, but I think this film was more interesting. So I guess I recommend them both. Um... And the the film all leads to these these prissy uh, Long Island housewives who who plan all their days together, and you can tell they don't really like each other, and tensions are strong are high, and um, they're making fun of this other girl who's part of their group who's kind of dumb, and she's the, really the comedy comedic relief. All their husbands are dreaming about having sex with other people, and it's just. That's honestly comedy gold. I don't know if the movie's necessarily sexy, but it's a lot of it's really funny. Um, I feel like if you were to um, 
I, I sometimes I wish vinegar and vinegar syndrome. If you're listening, I wish you would give a you'd add a version of the film on here that removed all the sex, just so I could watch and appreciate how goofy the non-sex scenes are. Because there's scenes in this movie that would kill, and I'd love to show people, but I don't really want to watch a porn with a group of people. That's just awkward. Um, and then once again, like I said in the last one, the movie's filthy. Lots of close-ups, lots of cum shots, lots of all the gross stuff that makes porn what it is. It's not softcore at all. Um, performances or whatever. Uh, the movie, you know, some are better than others. Uh, the movie is shot pretty well. It's super surreal and goofy. I think the cinematography and mascara is better based on my sensibility and what I like how movies are shot. But the Pink Ladies is is has a very surrealistic tone to it, which I appreciated. Um, in terms of special features, newly scanned and restored in 2K from its 35 millimeter camera negative. There's a video interview of actor. John A. Mazur, a.k.a. Alan Adrian, a video interview with Watkins historian and friend Art Edinger. Uh, I haven't watched that yet, but I watched one of the Art Edinger interviews, I believe, on Her Name is Lisa. And the guy's got a lot of information. He's a little dry, but if you're interested in the weird life that is Roger Watkins from where he started out making exploitation horror films to porn, he's definitely the guy to go to. Uh, Production stills gallery... Script and shooting schedule gallery. So, once again, I got to read another script and how of a porno. This one is written just as sleazy as you imagine a porno to be written, which is also kind of great. I love that Mascara's script was written like like an actual film with sex. I love that this one is written exactly like you'd imagine a porno to be written. So that was kind of great. Uh, original theatrical trailer, which is also filthy. Reversible cover artwork, English SGH subtitles. The film was made in 1979, 77 minutes in color, 1851 widescreen, DTS HD mono soundtrack, The Pink Ladies. Like I said, I'm not a huge uh, connoisseur of the porno genre. Nothing against it. Um, I th- The history of it fascinates me. So, like I said, nothing against it at all. Um, but fans of the genre, I think, should definitely pick these up. These are, heck, if a guy like me who's not super into just, I'm, I'm bored, let's just watch some porn, could get into these, I think that says something about them. So, yeah, that's my episode this week, guys. It's shorty, but it's a goodie. Um, if this is going to do anything like our Her Name is Lisa episode, it's going to be pretty stellar. Um, as I mentioned before, Patreon's on its way. It'll get done. I just don't want to, I don't like releasing things prematurely. Um, I do have some, uh, Mill Creek episodes coming up. Um, fun fact, I've seen the Karate Kid, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Uh, Mill Creek sent me Karate Kid 3 and The Next Karate Kid, which I did see. I grew up with The Next Karate Kid, and while I know everyone hates it and it's not supposed to be a good movie, I loved it as a kid. That was my my Karate Kid. Um, But since I've never seen 2 or 3, me and Amanda are watching back through The Karate Kid. And I just finished the first one, and I will say I'm surprised it had three sequels nothing against the karate kid it's not a bad movie i just don't think it's a great movie it's a little long 
Uh, some of the 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 issue, like the character issues, I think are kind of dumb. But it's not a bad movie. I really enjoyed it, but it doesn't hold a candle to to Rocky, which is made by the same director. Uh, we're going to be going into uh, Karate Kid two and then three, and then eventually the next Karate Kid. So down the line, there'll be some Karate Kid reviews, uh, and then I'm also I want to work my way. Through, I want to watch Metropolis. And then I want to work my way through some more spaghetti western, um, spaghetti westerns. Uh, currently, I am watching Django shoots again. So that's it, guys. As always, rate, review, subscribe. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Lipson, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. We are out there. I love and appreciate your support. If there's anything special you guys want us to talk about, let me know. And maybe that'll happen. So have a good one, guys. Thanks a lot.